0: So one of the things that uh, I've sort of rediscovered since, oh, I don't know, since high school, uh, during the pandemic, is poetry. It's been kind of a thing lately that I have found some comfort in, um, that I really had kind of put aside after I was required to write poems for a poetry class, and then I was like, never again, (laughs) Uh, a while ago. So I've really, during this uh, last, almost two years now, have found some comfort in in poems and how the poet mind um, condenses big stories into smaller thoughts, uh, smaller words, less words, and I just really appreciated it. So I'm beginning and ending my uh, sermon this morning with two different poems. The first one is by Suzanne Guthrie, and it's called Blind Bartimaeus. I see him in slow motion, leaping to his feet, then leaping again, blindly through the parting crowd, his mantle soaring above them, like a sail. That one thing necessary, warmth, shelter, thrown to the wind for one dim risk. I never liked the phrase leap of faith. It's not quite what the philosopher meant. Nevertheless, the idea has fixed itself in the Christian mind. Why not reason your way gently to the other side or build a bridge of solid logical beams or ask some adept beyond to weave a ladder of wisdom to toss across the chasm and that way you could peer into the abyss safely while you pass over or if you were squeamish take your ponderous way around the rift bartimaeus not taking time to think leaps into the quickly passing moment. And what of the abandoned garment? I want to know. Did some thoughtful person take up the cloak and carry it for him along the way, knowing the once blind man would need it again in the dark days to come? Or did Bartimaeus let his mantle fall to the ground, leaving it for the next beggar waiting along the roadside? What do you want me to do for you? You may have heard Jesus ask this question today and thought, gosh, that sounds kind of familiar. And that's because this is not the first time he has asked this question recently. In fact, it's the third time in three weeks that someone has come up to Jesus and asked him for something. And each time it has given a different result. And Jesus keeps asking this question, well, what do you want me to do for you? The first time, the wealthy young ruler asked Jesus, how how might I inherit eternal life? Last week, James and John asked Jesus, we want you to give us whatever we ask of you. Turns out, they wanted was seats at the right and left hand of Jesus when he comes into his glory. And this week, a blind man asks for mercy. By this point in Mark's gospel, Jesus has been asked for position, power, riches, eternal life, and each time he just sort of sighs and shakes his head or drops some brutal truth bomb on the gathered crowd and keeps going. The first will be last, he said. Welcome, children, and you welcome me. Give everything you have to the poor. Be a servant. Over and over again, the people on the inside, the ones who have been with Jesus and are the closest to him, just do not get it. Not, in fact, not a single person in any encounter over the last months of our preaching has gotten it. The rich young ruler could not fathom the effort it would take to sell all of his possessions and give his money to the poor. He just wanted eternal life, the good life to keep going. James and John couldn't fathom why they couldn't get, as Pastor Chad called it last week, VIP seating. They wanted Jesus to give them what they wanted. What they wanted was influence and power. So when Jesus encounters this blind man on the side of the road outside of Jericho who is not supposed to get it at all, it comes as a surprise to literally everyone there that Bartimaeus completely understands. He knows exactly who Jesus is, exactly what Jesus can do, and he gets up and follows him knowing full well what it means. This encounter between Jesus and Bartimaeus begins, as the gospel says, on the road leaving Jericho. Beggars on the side of the road were not uncommon. It was the One of the only ways poor people could get money, it was written into the religious laws of the day that you were supposed to give alms to the poor. As you walked by, you were supposed to toss money to them. And as there wasn't a social worker assigned to every person, uh, there wasn't a way to apply for help through a county services department, this was the way people earned money for food or sustenance. Beggars would lay out a cloak on the ground in front of them to help them contain the money that was given to them. For many beggars in this position in this time, the cloak was the most important possession they had. And it was sort of a sign to those walking by that this was someone in need, like a cardboard sign we might see today or a tin cup. If you were a person of means, seeing this cloak was your cue to give as you walked by. So Bartimaeus is begging. Well-traveled road, it's a good spot he's placed himself in and he hears some commotion as a large crowd walks by. It would be hard not to hear it. By this point, Jesus is a big deal. Mark makes sure to point out the, the crowd is large two times. Maybe the whispers came first, maybe he outright asked someone who's who's going by right now. But he learned it was Jesus. And Bartimaeus just knew. He knew this was his chance. This was the one he'd been waiting for, the one he'd heard about, the Messiah. We know that Bartimaeus knew this by what he shouts over and over, son of David, son of David. He was naming Jesus as the Messiah right from his spot on the side of the road. Obviously, the crowd is like, hey, don't bother Jesus. He's a really big deal, he's enough time for you. It doesn't work. Bartimaeus just gets louder Son of David, son of David, he shouts. And Jesus stops, stops along his way and tells the crowd to call him over. How quickly the crowd changes their tune here instead of shushing him they're like, "Hey, Jesus is calling you. Go go over." Mark's gospel says, "Bartimaeus threw off his cloak, sprang up, and ran to Jesus." We know Mark in his gospel is very intentional with the stories and words he chooses, and this part is particularly intentional. Because this language, this vision, this image of throwing off his cloak tells us a few things right away. As I said, it's his most prized possession and what does he do? He leaves it behind. It likely contained money from this large crowd as they passed and he still leaves it behind. You don't, Note Mark saying he quickly gathered up all the coins and money in the cloak before he ran to Jesus. He sprang up and ran to Jesus. So soon after the rich man could not fathom selling his things to follow Jesus, Bartimaeus literally cannot move fast enough away from it. Bartimaeus leaving his cloak behind isn't just a statement of his enthusiasm, but of his faith. He knows, knows, before anything happens, before he even hears a word from Jesus, he knows he's not going to need that cloak anymore. What do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? Jesus says. The same question is ours on this day. Jesus looks at us, comes near to us, calls us to come to him and says, what is it you want me to do for you? And our question today is, how do we answer? Knowing who Jesus is, knowing what he can do and what he is about. And I want to take a second here and note how hard this is to feel like you are praying and praying and asking Jesus to give you what you want, and it seems like none of it is happening. It is hard to hear this text and think, why Bartimaeus? Why not me? I'm not even praying for selfish or self-centered things like James and John. Honestly, if Jesus came to me and said, what do you want me to do for you? I have a ready-made list. Do you want to hear it? I want the pandemic to go away. Anyone else? Yeah, yeah, thank you. Thank you for the hands back there. I see you, Rachel. I want people to see each other as more than their political position. I want cancer to go back to whatever hellhole it came from. And yes, I said it. Trust me, I had other words in here, but I took those out. I want billionaires in this country to develop a sense of ethics and morality. I want people to choose the most loving scenario in every moment. It seems like truly not too much to ask, right? I'm not asking for a seat at the right hand or the left hand. And honestly, if I look at my list, okay, it's kind of a lot to ask. I get that. But didn't Jesus just tell us that for God everything is possible? Well, then... Come on, Jesus, I want you to give me what I want. I know how hard it is to hear this story of miraculous healing and not feel a teeny bit, or maybe more than a teeny bit of resentment, that my miracles are not happening. I get it. And it's... So important to have this story right after the story of James and John that we heard last week. They play off each other exactly as Mark intended, and the contrast is impossible to miss. You see, in Mark's gospel, particularly over the last month or two, the focus is so often on what it means to follow Jesus. What does it really mean to follow Jesus? What it takes, what it means, where it leads And these two stories back to back really highlight for us the wide scope in potential responses that come our way when we encounter Jesus. The disciples, the ones who are supposed to get it, who have the most faith, after all, they've literally been walking beside Jesus for years now, they miss the boat yet again. And in Mark's gospel, the disciples are often used as a way to remind us that if Jesus doesn't give up on them, no matter how many times they so obviously just get it dead wrong, then Jesus will not give up on us either when we ask for the wrong thing, misunderstand the assignment, or just get it plain wrong. And yet immediately following these missteps of James and John, we have Bartimaeus. Who reminds us that the bar for what is faithful has been set particularly high by someone particularly unexpected? Bartimaeus, with persistence, shouts his request for mercy Lord, I want to see. And then, even when Jesus tells him to go on his way, he gets up and follows instead. So what do we do with this? It's a lot of stuff in just a few short verses. Obviously, this section of Mark's gospel has been used to push us into having enough faith so we too can be healed, right? Which is gross and harmful and truly a struggle for me to even articulate And yet I'm not even sure we need this perfectly wrapped up with a pretty bow, neatly packaged answer to what this gospel story might have to tell us. I know I want it, but I'm not sure we get it here. What I think we do get out of today's gospel are some subtle and not as subtle reminders about what it means to follow Jesus. There is something we give up, leave behind, throw off when we follow Jesus. It might be something that was valuable, sustaining, necessary, useful, helpful. Do we throw it off and run like Bartimaeus does or do we cling to it and stay where we are? I understand the second option way more than I understand the first. There's a reminder in this gospel that God doesn't walk away from us when we mess up, walk away, or get caught up in our own desires and self interest. There is a reminder that there's healing possible in every scenario. It's a chance for us too to see clearly and follow along the way. And yet, I find this text so hard because I want my faith to heal me, and I want my faith to heal the people I love. So I think it's also important to note that today's gospel is not just about the healing, or the persistence in Bartimaeus asking, or even how Jesus says it is his faith that has healed him. We can easily turn these short verses from Mark's Gospel into a list of things we have to do and how we are supposed to ask and act, and that's not it either. I believe subtly woven into Mark's Gospel is the reminder that the story is the faithfulness of Jesus in these moments where we absolutely miss the whole point or the moments when we risk it all and everything in between the point of today's gospel i think woven in is that jesus always hears us calling stops where he's going pauses on the way to listen to remind us that we are worthy of being seen and being heard and then gives us the eyes to see what matters along the way. One of my favorite sermons ever preached on this text is actually from Pastor Chad very early. I mean, you probably don't even remember that you preached this sermon because it was maybe in your first or second year here, but about how Bartimaeus joins the crowd and how the crowd, Pastor Chad said, changed how they responded to the next person shouting on the side of the road because the beggar was present in the room. I can hardly talk about it without crying because there is something so powerful about your presence in the crowd, your presence following along the way. What you bring to the kingdom of God and to the discipleship community matters. It matters. And yet, what we all need is the same thing that Bartimaeus asked for on this day. Lord, I need you to help me see. That ask is the point. What is it we are missing? What is it we miss about ourselves that matters to the community? What is it that we miss about each other that matters to the community? that matters to God, that matters to us. And I want to end with a poem about this kind of thing by Father Ronald Robb. It's called Blind Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus, I am blind too. So what, maybe, what if you grasped my hand and guided my heart and led me to the place of your healing along the dirt path? since I desire to experience what you saw when light entered your eyes to live your miracle in my darkness. The eyes of Jesus looking through me to hear his voice flow through my body, to feel his rough hand wiping the sweat from my brow, to smell his warm words covering my face as he prays new life into me to capture the eternal hope for my loneliness, not just for me, but for the deep wounds of our people. So what if I could really see the suffering of those around me and along the road, the injustices that ravage so many on the journey, those who sell their bodies on the roadside, those who walk for hundreds of miles for some food, Those who struggle to breastfeed their children in the hot sun. Those who travel miles in plastic shoes for permanent housing. Those who sit on street corners communicating with cardboard signs. Those who stride towards health care and possible education. And what if I could answer the question Jesus asked you, Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? And what if I could muster the courage from deep within to form words on my lips, welling up from my empty soul, to finally give my own life voice on behalf of those who suffer the most, to feel within my throat the fluttering hope of love-compelling words out of me and allowing my answer to be born in light. Master, I want to see. Let this be our prayer this morning. As we wrestle with the complicated emotions of this text, let us have Bartimaeus' prayer be our prayer to the God who is right now looking at you saying, what do you want me to do for you? Let our prayer together this morning be, I want to see, amen. So we've been asked again this morning a question of faith. What do you want me to do for you? And I pray, Prince of Peace, that our answer in these days and weeks to come remains the same, Lord, help me to see. So I pray this morning that you are given the eyes to see that you are loved, you are forgiven, and now you are sent. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord.